It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, we break down a 119-114 win over the Philadelphia 76ers last night in Toronto. The win that potentially sets up a Raptors-Sixers first round series. We will dig into whether the Sixers should be frightened after last last night's results. We'll also talk about Pascal Siakam's incredible 37-point triple-double, all that and so much more. Plus, we got the dude of the game to hand out coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1155 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, April the 8th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. You can also go to all your favorite podcast apps and subscribe, follow, rate, review to support the show in audio form. And if you go to YouTube, you can subscribe to the Locked On Raptors YouTube channel as well. We've had a nice uh, boost of uh, subs lately with the playoffs coming up. Let's continue the good momentum over there. And thank you if you have already signed up and thank you in advance if you plan on subscribing in the future. And uh, as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. All right, on today's show, we have one of the wins of the season for the Toronto Raptors to break down. And joining me on today's show is someone who I joined uh, her podcast earlier this week. We're just doing a little home and home here from Dishes and Dimes from Yahoo Sports. It's Yasmin Duwala. How's it going? Good, good, good. I'm interested. I'm I'm excited to talk about it um, with the season winding down and everything. Yeah, that game last night was uh, a ton of fun. Extremely frustrating because I think that's just sort of the energy the Sixers bring to games now with their foul grift and everything they have going on. But really, really impressive stuff from the Raptors. We'll dig into all our big takeaways from it. Got the due to the game and everything. But I have to ask you, like, where do you think this one ranks, Yasmin, among regular season Raptors wins? Is there another one that comes to mind as a better one than this one? Um, I, oh, um, probably that Bucks game in the mm. walk. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's the one where Siakam also had a triple double, but it was, it was rescinded or it was, a re, it was re, <laughs> rewritten. They took away a rebound or something. Right, right, <laughs> um, right. I, that game was really good as well. Um, but yeah, this one is up there. It must be like top two, top three. Yeah, the only other one I can really think of, I guess it's sort of like a combination of wins. It's the back-to-back in Phoenix and Denver on the road. Um, But like this was a a tremendous performance from the Raptors. And I think what gives me encouragement is that they kind of got the Sixers on a night where a lot of things were working for them. Non-James Harden Mm -hmm. division, of course, we'll get to that. But Joel Embiid, you know, uh, he only had... He was only 10 to 22, but he put up his points. He had his buckets. He was a good playmaker in this one as well, as he typically has been this season. Tyrese Maxey and Danny Green go off. 
and yet the Raptors still had enough juice to overcome them. And I guess the big takeaway from this one is Pascal Siakam. I think kind of putting the hammer or like the nail in the should he be an all-NBA player coffin? Like, of course he should be when you put a game together like that. Uh, what were your impressions of Pascal Siakam's 37 points, 11 boards, and 12 assists on 14 of 28 shooting last night against the Sixers? Um, I think it's really great that he's rolling um, heading into the postseason. That's exactly what yeah. you want to see. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like uh, that game was kind of just a culmination of what we kept seeing this season. Um, mm -hmm. I remember in the past, an issue was, can he play like the best version of himself against the team's best, the league's best teams. And that was always like a reoccurring theme. Like he would always struggle against better defenses against, um, tougher defenders, but that has not been the case at all this season. Um, mm -hmm. he, if anything, his best games, I feel like have been against the top teams the yeah. top in the NBA. When I think about the best performances we've seen from Pascal this year, I think of his game, um, against Giannis. I think of his game against Embiid. I think of, um, his games against the top, uh, the defenders that have always given him fits over the last few years. Um, mm -hmm. which is just, it, it, I don't know if it shows that it's, it's, these are matchups that he's been paying particular attention to, or um, he's been working on the specific things that give these defenders an advantage over him. But um, ha the tactic of just kind of sagging back and allowing him to take over threes just doesn't work. He's become too smart. He just knows what to do with the excess space. If anything, I feel like sagging back and trying to be smart with the scouting um, it just presents him with an advantage. It gives him mm -hmm. a lot of room to work with, it seems, because it just seems that um, every time they use these tactics that used to give him fits, it just kind of unlocks um, another dimension to his game um, during these particular matchups. It must, it might be easier to just play him up front, up close um, <laughs> nowadays. Um, but yeah, he's he's been unreal. Um, it, it wasn't even a case of <laughs> it goes back to the discussion of um, ethical <laughs> uh, scoring <laughs> for Pascal, which has been like the theme on NBA Twitter the last couple of uh, days. Um, but yeah, like I, I, it's not a case of just spamming threes or um, calling for switches on weaker defenders for like 10 possessions in a row. He's looking for every matchup available on the court. He gave Joel Embiid consecutive buckets. He gave literally every defender on the court um baskets so um it, it was a very sustainably sourced night uh for pascal yeah it was, uh, it was grain fed it was free range yeah. it, we have to for those who are not terminally online we probably <laughs> should like kind of give some context to that because it is my favorite thing happening on raptors and or nba internet and it's kind of gone mainstream our pal nikaius duncan was uh was posting about it last night uh, essentially our pal T at TMN underscore O four underscore on Twitter. Uh, wonderful follow on Raptors internet. Uh, great draft thoughts. Also a lot of wolves takes out there, uh, but pointed out during the game against the Hawks on Tuesday that Siakam leads the league in ethical 30 balls, no grift, just good footwork and real basketball and, uh, ethical 30 balls is going to be a thing that I think lives with us for the rest of time. It's fantastic. And yeah. Very ethical game from Siakam last night. He got to the line quite a bit, but I think it was the result of some hard-earned free throws. Uh, not like those unethical free throws that James Harden and Joel Embiid get, am I right? Um, but yeah, just kind of going back to the game, it, it was just a brilliant 
all-encompassing, you know, a proof of every sort of counter Siakam has established this season uh, against the defenses that he's seeing. And again, like we've talked about this before, but like defenses that he's seeing are extremely difficult defenses. The tweet, uh, there was a tweet this morning uh, going around Raptors internet, uh, sort of pointing out a stat that Siakam gets doubled the 11th most in the NBA, 32% of his possessions, he's getting double teamed. And the Raptors are scoring 1.2 points per possession on those possessions. That is insane and speaks to his playmaking his ability to split doubles when he has to his ability to you know see a couple bodies do a little turn jab step and then have a little you know uh, you know turnaround jumper something like that like he's really worked on the in-between game and as our friend joe wolfon was pointing out last night his control of the middle of the floor is just unmatched right now he's just getting right into that sort of 18 foot range whenever he wants and then he's making the decisions from there all right i'm gonna go try to score am i gonna pass am i going to reset like he, he just has all the counters and it's just been amazing to watch it all come together i've made my feelings on this pretty known i think this is all going to translate to the postseason pretty well because of the difficulty that he's been up against this season and the sort of level of defense he's been up he's been facing but where are you at, Yasmin, in terms of can this Pascal Siakam carry over to the postseason? Do you think this is sustainable once defense ratchets up, ratchets up in that environment? Um, yeah, I think that um, his handling of double teams is the reason why it's going to translate well. I feel like um, the last postseason that he was in, um, the issue was that he was just beginning to figure out double teams, but it was still so mm -hmm. early in his process that he still didn't have um, the uh, resources to deal with that. Um, he would get swarmed and he would just be so indecisive. And that split second was enough time for um, bad decisions to happen. So I feel like now he's just so calm. Like, I, if anything, his, if his scoring takes a hit, we're going to see an increase in his assists, um, mm -hmm. most case scenario. So I feel like um, the postseason... We see the best players have issues with efficiency simply because they become the focus of the scouting of the of the opposing defense. Um, mm -hmm. And if that's the case, we I feel like I'm comfortable knowing that he knows enough um, and that his team work knows how to play off of his um, uh, off of the double teams well enough to exploit mm -hmm. that. So I, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a mechanism of his development, but it's also the team just being so smart about relocating on the perimeter, about cutting, about um just making just the small movements they do when the defenses are shading towards him that they've gotten very uh they've gotten very good at. Uh yeah. we saw it last night with Precious, with Boucher, with um Scotty. Uh, a few times, I saw um, Gary doing a great job relocating on the perimeter. We know Fred is excellent at that with Pascal. Um, mm. And I, when I think about it, all of this dynamic play um, from the team just didn't exist. A lot yeah. of the postseason was relying on the heroics of Kyle, um, just just dominating, um, doing his ISO play uh, to keep him in matchups. So um, that's not. I feel like that's not going to be the case this this um, postseason. Yeah, look, I'm not saying that Pascal Siakam is Nikola Jokic or on his level in any way. Let me get that out of the way. I'm not saying he's that, but I do think he is kind of the closest corollary to what we see with Jokic in Denver right now because it really is an unsolvable problem if you're the defense because he it can just pass out of any double team. He's not turning the ball over. He's got like a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio this season. It's only gotten better as the season's gone along. 
Um, you know, he's going to have the odd one here or there, but he really has cleaned that up and he's just so reliable. The handle's a lot tighter and everything. And, you know, he can score against single coverage basically without fail, similar to Jokic. And he is going to be undone when the guys around him are not knocking down shots, which I think will ultimately be how the Nuggets probably go out in the postseason. And if the Raptors go out, I think it's going to be because not due to Siakam, but because the guys around him don't have the juice and aren't knocking down their threes. And last night was, of course, the polar opposite of that situation where Gary Trent Jr. had himself a heater. He was five bait from downtown. He created himself a little bit too. He had 30 points on 12 of 21. Uh, And and of course, you know, he was cutting and and sort of doing the the stuff off of Siakam that you want to see as well. And then in the form of Precious Achua, like you get five threes from Precious. I'm sorry, not many teams are beating this Raptors team in a postseason game. And you're not going to get five threes from Precious every night, but they didn't have OG. They didn't have Fred. That's shooting that you're going to have on hand come playoff time. And I think they might just have enough to get by here and make it so Siakam can be their offensive engine and they're not going to be let down when it has to come out of his hands. So uh, really, really exciting stuff. The shooting will be the swing factor, but I think I'm pretty confident in saying Pascal Siakam is not going to be the reason the Raptors lose a playoff series. You could have said that in the past about Kyle Lowry back in the Wizards series. You could have said that in the past about DeMar DeRozan in a couple of different series. I don't think we're going to see that being the case with Siakam. He's just too refined as an offensive engine right now, and it's a delight to watch. Again, he's not Jokic, but he's the closest <laughs> thing to it right now. Uh, we're going to continue on here in just a sec, Yasmin. We're going to talk about the Sixers side of things and uh, continue on what we began with yesterday's podcast where we had Keith and Devon from Locked on Sixers detailing uh, reasons why the Sixers should maybe be fearful. We're going to examine that. We'll talk about the absence of Matisse Thibel and what that meant for the Sixers last night and uh, tee up a potential first-round matchup between Philly and Toronto in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. I won't lie, I don't really watch golf, but when Tiger Woods is going, I'm going to watch, and I may be putting some live money down on Tiger Woods winning the Masters because it's really fun to root for. That's really that's my betting strategy. I'm betting on things I am excited to root for, but if you are someone who wants to be a little bit more uh, methodical behind uh, with, with the reasons behind your wagers, then Bet Online is the place for you. They've got podcasts, they've got reviews of all the different leagues this season, so you're never making a bet without being fully informed. If you want to be that way, unless you're betting with your heart like me, which you can also do. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering info. You get live betting, esports scores, and everything else. Head to the website today, use your mobile device, and learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we continue on here with your first list of the day with Yasmin Dewalla from, I mean, everywhere. Yasmin, Dishes and Dimes, Yahoo, Basketball News. It's it's amazing. I'm very glad Yasmin's taking over the world. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers may not be taking over the world anytime soon, Yasmin. Uh, looked pretty... <laughs> underwhelming last night despite having a really hot night from three 19 of 36 you should win a game if you're the philadelphia 76ers and you go 19 of 36 from downtown 
but there was some holes in the, uh, I don't know, the exterior, the interior, the whole damn thing. It was a Swiss cheese last night on the defensive side of the floor for the 76ers. Give Pascal a ton of credit for that. But of course, Matisse Thybul was not available and seems like he won't be available for a potential playoff series with the Raptors due to the vaccine thing where he was ineligible to play last night. And there's not a lot of time here for him to go and get the 14 days between a shot and uh, becoming fully vaxxed, if that is in fact all he's going to do with the one-shot thing. We're not going to get into vaccine minutiae right now. Matisse Thybul has put the team in a difficult spot. Uh, Danny Green played last night, got his ring. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but there were some serious issues with what the Sixers were throwing out last night. Yasmin, like... Where are you at with your belief in this Sixers team as like a legitimate title contender? I know they've been kind of lumped into that heap of teams at the top of the conference all year. I feel very dubious. Even if the Raptors play them and lose in the first round, I don't really think the Sixers are long for this year's postseason beyond like the second round. Um, And they very well could be uh, prone to an upset at the hands of the Raptors if in fact they play. Uh, what were your impressions of them last night? Uh, you, you start wherever you want. It could be Harden. It could be the defense. It could be any anything you want. Uh, how are you feeling about the Sixers right now? How should Sixers fans be feeling about the Sixers right now? Um, yeah, <laughs> some Sixers fans um, noted that even after a few years, they still have the backup center issue. Um, which what I is think going it, on? <laughs> yeah, as soon as Joel Embiid sits down, like it just all falls apart. And I think that the difference from even the past team is that even when Joel is on the court, um, they they were still not doing enough to break away from the Raptors um, yeah. against their starters or even, even with a couple of them missing. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just an issue of there's an over-reliance on Tyrese Maxey, who is like, who's a great player, but can mm-hmm. still be exposed on the, on the defensive end. And I just feel like they have too many players who are kind of one way um, on the court. So um, you have Tobias Harris, who provides the spacing they need, but he's a liability on the defensive end. We saw how Pascal exposed that or, or um, exploited that. Um, the same goes for um, Matisse Thibel. Like A lot of them were kind of glad that he couldn't come across the border because that might have provided some more perimeter shooting. But then again, they lost the wing de- defense they needed. And I anticipated that Gary would have a great night because Thibel has been giving him fits and um, that's exactly what happened. He had 30 points um, without Matisse out there. But then when you do play him, you do lose the perimeter scoring. You're kind of bound to have a tougher night for um, uh, Embiid because players can um, cheat off of Matisse. Um, and again, like I'm pretty sure Embiid had 30 points as well. So yeah. <laughs> um, uh, when you consider that stuff, when you consider those things, they're just missing guys who are um, overwhelmingly good out on one end or just at least average on both ends. So I feel like a, a, ch- a contending team just needs a, a few guys outside of the main star who can provide that. And then someone mentioned that when they try and stagger um, Harden and Embiid, mm-hmm. Harden can't lead um, a defense uh, yeah. during his time on the court. So they fall apart on those ends. So even when Embiid sits and they try and go small or something and they put – um, uh, I think they put Reed on the court at, at the five. Paul, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which actually worked a little bit, but he's still quite um, young. He made a few mistakes out there, um, and it's still not enough because you have their best player on the court, Harden, during those stretches who's just messing up rotations mm-hmm. and just not playing the pick and roll correctly. I saw Scotty really took advantage of that in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, and, yeah, I feel like there are just too many issues 
um, heading into the postseason. And like, I, I can't, I, I'm trying to tell myself that no, the Raptors can't beat the Sixers. And like, <laughs> I, just, I just feel that it's going to happen. And then I, I just can't envision Nick Nurse losing a series to Doc Rivers. When you, when you consider all of these things, um, you know, I, I much respect to Doc Rivers and what he's accomplished, but at the same time, he has a reputation for losing leads, for being a little slow to make uh, adjustments during series. And that those are the precise things that Nick Nurse excels at. So I just mm-hmm. think it's a bad matchup on so many fronts <laughs> um, for the 76ers. Yeah, I'm with you. I think those non-Embiid minutes, look, he's not going to sit for 11 minutes in a playoff series. Yeah. You, know, you think back to the the series against the Raptors in 2019. I mean, he played 46 minutes almost in game seven. I would imagine he's going to be at least around 40 over the course of a series just because you have to maximize every minute and he is how you do that. Yet still last night, he plays 37 minutes. He's a plus eight and then uh b-ball paul paul reed comes in minus 13 and 11 minutes and it's not all on paul reed you know he was fine he doesn't really have a chance against pascal or anything like that and he you know is probably prone to getting hit on the offensive boards this whole sixers team feels prone to getting hit on the offensive boards really because Embiid is kind of their only above average rebounder especially when thibel's not around who's a pretty good rebounder for his position like you're just giving up offensive boards all over the place, especially when you have to have Embiid guard Siakam because he's getting pulled out a little bit further and then you just got got guys like sneaking in for those offensive putbacks. Like it's a problem. But yeah, back to the minutes without Embiid, like Harden is just a shell of himself right now. And look, maybe there's another gear he can go to. He's had moments in Philly where he's looked sort of like regular James Harden. I don't know if it's the hamstring. I don't know if he's just cooked, but the defense is just not there. He's going to be a sore spot. It's not going to be like in the past where you can maybe get away and in fact thrive with James Harden as a switch defender getting put onto a bigger guy because he's got a thick base or whatever. Like Scotty Barnes is just going to score over top of him. Uh, yeah. Pascal Siakam is just going to score over top of him. It's not going to be a hindrance to them at all. And then on the offensive side of things, if he can't gain an advantage against anybody, which he really can't, the Raptors can switch across the board James Harden pick and rolls and feel comfortable with whomever they have guarding him. Gary Trent Jr. might be the one guy you're a little bit worried about, maybe Scotty Barnes, but like it it feels pretty difficult to see a pathway to James Harden really getting cooking against those bench lineups, especially if they're going to be the massive 6869 looks across the board where there's just no space and no reprieve from all the length in the arms. I mean, Precious Achua had a couple times last night switched on to him where he just completely erased him. And if you're not getting that production in those non-MB'd minutes, they become even more of a problem. Like back in 2019, at least they had Jimmy Butler and Ben Simmons to kind of carry the offense in those minutes. If you're not getting that from Harden, you're going to have to count on Maxi to do it, I guess. And then what's Harden doing? Just standing off ball, doing nothing? Like there's a lot of problems there for sure. And you know, you mentioned Thibel and when he's back in the lineup, you know, the shooting is not going to quite be there. I mean, they're not having a 19 of 36 night if Thibel's in the lineup. He's just not yeah. going to do that for you. They were lucky to get the night they got from Danny Green last night, six of seven from downtown. He was amazing, but even he had no chance in a lot of the matchups the Raptors went after. And, you know, I've been talking about this all season. It seems like the Raptors have built this team with matchup hunting in mind, knowing that's how you often get to buckets in the playoffs. And outside of Embiid, there's not really a guy I'm worried about if they're, you know, if I'm the Raptors of, oh, can we, you know, size this guy up and get a look against him? They can get a look against anybody. I even think they can against Thibel, who gives up four inches to Siakam. And like, I don't know, Scotty Barnes is like seven feet tall. I swear to God, he's enormous. He gives up like six or seven inches to Scotty Barnes. So it's tough stuff. It Like 
let's flip it the other way because obviously the Sixers are still good. They're still a very good team. If you're the Raptors going into a postseason series against them, which is not set in stone by any means, there's still a lot to happen and the Sixers could win out and cause some trouble. Maybe the Celtics fall down. Um, it seems like the Raptors are pretty locked into five, though, now two games clear of the Bulls. Um, with all of that, what are the things that give you the most pause for the Raptors in a Sixers series? We saw what happened last night. It was all good and good feelings and everything, but it's obviously not going to go that smoothly all the time. Uh, where are your points of concern in a Raptors Sixers series for the Raptors? Um, I think that the um, issue of health has made it so that Fred and OG have missed, I think, two matchups against the Sixers. Yeah. Um, so I think that, we saw in the first quarter, the team takes a moment to kind of recalibrate whenever they have guys missing in the main sure. rotation. Um, so having them reintegrated against the Sixers might cause issues to start. But at the same time, um, I'm also wondering about how the usage will be distributed at a, for a, whole, a fully healthy uh, Raptors team. It's just that I feel mm -hmm. like they're kind of offensively, uh, they're not uh, they're an above average offense, but they're still kind of fragile, I feel like, sure. especially in the postseason. So I feel like that um, the hierarchy may not be as firmly established as I'd like to I'd like it to be heading into the postseason, which is why mm -hmm. like everything that's happening heading into the playoffs is kind of gravy. Uh, I feel like this is not a team that's um that's st they're still in de a developmental kind of stage where sure. um, you have other teams that have been establishing this hierarchy for a while. You see it with the Celtics very clearly. Um, but for the Raptors is less defined. And I feel like that could be a detriment heading into the postseason. Um, and also uh, kind of like we, we have an idea of what the um, main rotation would be in a postseason. But I'm interested to see how guys like Precious and um, Boucher would be utilized heading into that postseason, too. But I think my main issue would be um, seeing how they integrate OG and uh, Fred against the Sixers um, mm -hmm. and whether and what kind of impact it has. Like, who knows what if their absence has been like uh, the good part of our matchups against them? Like, well, mm -hmm. what if it had like some inadvertent, like positive effect that I just didn't foresee? But um, yeah, I think it, it just comes down to that. And perhaps like. I, I would say lack of continuity, but that's also an issue for um, Philly. Um, yeah. And ultimately, I think it just—I think the main um, worry is that Embiid is still an MVP caliber player who I know has another gear heading into the postseason. So um, I think that we—he even though the Raptors have had a lot of success guarding him, you, he still has earned that kind of respect where you still wonder what he's going to look like mm -hmm. um, heading into the playoffs. And. Um, I think the last thing would be um, what it would look like if Doc Rivers took a page out of Brett Brown's book and put Embiid on Pascal for the duration of the series and what it would yeah. look like um, for prolonged minutes. Um, I, I, I think it won't have the same effect at all because they had the defensive versatility um, uh, uh, Ben Simmons would provide kind of being in the back line of the defense, but they don't yeah. have that anymore. But I'm, I'm still interested to see how that would turn out if he does um, employ that. Yeah, like I, I think to your point about reintegrating Fred and OG, like I think OG slots in pretty seamlessly and actually kind of gives you even more of, uh, you know, another guy you can throw on for a couple possessions on MB. Does the first guy who's waiting for the double to come help? I think you can throw him on Harden and really erase him if that's something you're concerned about. Um, Fred is interesting, though, because he struggled against the Sixers in the past with length yeah. and the size. It's a little different now because they don't have Ben Simmons, who was really kind of the key 
figure in harassing Fred in those series. But like if they have Thibel for the road games, at least, you know, Thibel on Fred is a way to, I think, kind of take Fred out of the action quite, quite a lot. But I do feel pretty confident that they can just divert everything through Siakam and even Scotty Barnes and then just use Fred's off ball gravity to kind of help things out there. So I feel pretty all right about how the offense can work against the Sixers defense. Embiid is really the answer, though. Like He's going to play more minutes than he did in this game, and he's going to playmake better than he did in this game. I, I misattributed uh, a good playmaking game to Embiid last night. He did not have a good playmaking game. He had five turnovers to two assists. Uh, you know, He got his own buckets quite a bit, but wasn't really able to find a lot of passes out of those double teams that led to quick points. You know, there were some swings and some hockey assists and stuff like that. But, you know, on a night where they shot 19 of 36, I was surprised to see that Embiid only finished with the two assists. Um, you know, Harden was really the one creating a lot of their open threes. He had 15, so credit to him for that. Um, but Embiid's going to have better playmaking nights. He's going to handle those double teams in a way that, you know, he just wasn't capable of back in 2019 when they last saw them in the playoffs. He's just a better overall player. And he still drives positive play whenever he's on the floor. And you have to really, really key in on those Embiid-less minutes. And that can be the difference in a series for sure. But, you know, he, he just makes it so there's such like a head start for the Sixers because they're just always winning the minutes he's on the floor. No matter how well it seems the Raptors are playing, you look up and it's like, oh, well, the Sixers just won that stretch because Embiid <laughs> did Embiid things. And even if he's not scoring or playmaking well, he is their best defensive player and a big deterrent around the rim. So uh, terrifying player at full health. There's no doubt about that. Uh, again, to the point of I don't think the Raptors are going to lose a series because of Siakam. The Sixers are not going to lose a series because of Embiid. He's just too yeah. damn good for that to happen. Um, we're going to continue on here and, and round out the show with the dude of the game uh, chosen by Yasmin herself. We will get to that in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars in the game. If you're like me, you're a snacker, you're someone who likes to indulge late at night just because you're feeling peckish. Sometimes I just eat because I'm bored, if I'm being totally honest. The best way to do it is with a Built Bar and not any of those overprocessed, uh, high, high sugared candy bars, chips, whatever it might be. Go for a Built Bar instead because you're going to get some good stuff and it's going to kind of fill that hole and be a nice, uh, indulgent way to not actually indulge. It's, a, it's, it's delicious. You get 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein in your standard Built Bar. And they taste just like a candy bar. They have the mouthfeel of a candy bar. It's all about the mouthfeel, baby. Uh, it just, you know, to me, I would, it's kind of akin to like a Mars bar. Just ooey gooey delicious. And again, you're not getting all the bad stuff that's in a Mars bar. You're getting good stuff and you're getting something that can power you through a workout or be a nice breakfast replacement or something like that. They got flavors for everybody. My favorite is mint brownie. Highly recommend you get one of those, but you can also get yourself a, a mixed box and get all the different flavors. You can get a single flavor box. If you, there's one that you really have your eye on, they've got nut and nut free options. They're keto friendly as well at built bar. They are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they do it, but they do it every single time. Go to built.com. Use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. And this is for both new and returning users. So please go check them out. Use that promo code locked 15. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. 
Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we round out your first listen of the day with the dude of the game. The way we close out every game recap episode of the podcast. Highlighting someone who chipped in, maybe not in a star performance, but in a nice on the margins kind of way so pascal siakam regrettably just never wins this award because he's too (laughs) damn good yasmin uh but there were lots of great options to pull from last night who do you have as your due to the game for the game against the sixers yeah um i've come to just kind of expect nights like this (laughs) from pascal um I, I feel like dude of the game, the essence is kind of different than being the star of the game. Mm-hmm. I feel like dude of the game is someone who um, uh, is just kind of just has that unabashed conf- confidence about themselves. Um, and like when you're watching, you're like, he's he's a guy. He's that guy. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, and for me, that, that um, guy was uh, Precious Achua. So he's my dude of the game. Um, five of seven from three, I believe, bringing his um season percentage a, a little above 36 percent so he's mm-hmm. right about league average at this point um so for him for him to do that as uh, a sophomore player who in his rookie season was not like uh, did not have the green light to take threes um <laughs> is just phenomenal to me um and from i remember um thinking coming out of all-star break that okay he might he's just on a hot stretch but when i t- really look at it his form is great um, he, he's getting to a point where he's like taking crazy shots. Now his, his confidence, what's interesting about precious is that his confidence has remained leveled. It's, it's been at a plateau the entirety of the season, but his play has just kind of been, um, going around is more volatile than his actual <laughs> confidence <laughs> level. And his confidence level is completely unaffected by his play, which I think is so special, um, about him. Like, I feel like that is so much harder to teach than actual skill set he's just been um the same guy as the beginning of the season in terms of his belief in himself he's taking the Mm -hmm. exact same shots they're just falling this time um so when we see crazy pull-up threes um i'm just thinking to myself it's really cool to see his skill set kind of level up to uh where his confidence has always been so um he's um the dude of the game to me um i'm really interested to see um what he looks like going into the postseason. I feel like he's someone who's going to have some great moments, um, some moments that might even help them push them to victory in some cases. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just that confident. And I feel like I'm I'm interested to see how it transfers into the pressures of a postseason because we see what he's like in the regular season. I'm I'm interested to see um, whether the – um the hostility of a of a road crowd is going to get to him in any way like I'm, I'm, re- I'm really excited to see that for precious yeah you know every time there's like a playoff preview you get asked like i'll be opening the radio or something and it'll be like who's the x factor for the series sean uh precious achua has like the hardest x factor energy i can recall in recent memory of toronto raptors players because like when he is on like he was last night really really difficult to beat the raptors when he's not they badly miss that shot making that extra spacing he offers um you know the extra just sort of off the bounce juice that he brings to bail them out when they need it like the the good version of presses achua makes this an absolute monster a bear of a team um the bad version still comes with a very high defensive floor which is really exciting and you know he's going to be on the floor i think a lot in the playoffs as a result but when yeah. the offense is clicking it's a just a whole new 
animal. And, you know, it might not be something where you can count on it this season, you know, game in, game out. But if this is something that kind of continues in the next season, this this trend of the ability and the sort of uh, the touch and refinement catching up to the overall confidence, watch the hell out because he's going to be a really, really impressive and intriguing player next season. I have to ask you, Yaz, but I'm, I'm going to maybe ask you to do a little bit of voice acting right now. Um, I will do the sound I made when he did that pull up three last night. What was the sound you emitted when he did that pull up three? Just grabbing the rebound, walking it up, stopping and popping. When it happened, um, I was literally scrolling through my Twitter to find the microphone so that I could like record audio quickly and post it because <laughs> I was laughing. So I haven't had like a visceral laugh like that. Like, you know, when you laugh and it's just, it, it feels, it it, it it like scratches something that you haven't felt oh, yeah. in a while. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't mm-hmm. laughed that deep in a while. I, I literally had like tears coming out of my eyes. It was just so random and so uncalled for. And like the, 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 there's just some comedic timing to it. There's some yeah. plays that just have great comedic timing. And then seeing the audience go crazy and seeing Drake like just jump up, suddenly paying <laughs> close attention to the game after that moment. Like it, mm-hmm. it was perfect. It was, it was perfect. And then like you had Fred's reaction. It was, it was, it was a very good moment. Um, but yeah, I was, I was just, cr- I was laughing, laughing, laughing. I, yeah, I was, mine was, behind uh... my <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Mine was more like a stunned uh, gasp. It was something along the lines of, uh, oh, he's got the rebound. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it, it really hit me. I The laugh I had, the stronger laugh was when Scotty Barnes late in the game leaked out and uh, stared back into the eyes of the chase down block king, Danny Green himself, and then dunked to uh, more or less put it away. Uh, that I was a crazy. Yeah. <laughs> After he gave him his coat. Yeah. Just, uh, I love Scotty Barnes. I love that he has no ties to recent Raptors history. He's just here this year. He's punking Lowry. He's screaming at Lowry after Fred scores on him one-on-one at the rim. He's no staring baggage. down the eyes of beloved Raptors players who just received rings. He is as brazen and badass a player. The striking the pose on the three as well. Really fun Scotty game overall. What a After ridiculous a tough night. character. Yeah. He yeah. had a pretty bad <laughs> night up until that point. Like he does not yeah. care. Uh, I'm I'm I, I want to see if he um continues that energy um when it matters most. Like I want to I still want to see that kind of attitude and that swagger. I feel like that's important, mm-hmm. especially with road games. Um, and weirdly enough, I'm not too worried about road games for the Raptors. I feel like they've had a lot of practice yeah. <laughs> uh, when it comes to road matchups. They they just seem unfazed. Like I haven't seen a Raptors team as unfazed um, by their road games as um, this current roster. I mean, just in general, they're an unfazed. They were down 17 to two last night, and we're just like, yeah. all right, well, that's fine. Like it's they are like no panic, I made this like, point last night too. It was such a frustrating game because. You had like the the foul grift. You had a couple of bad calls here and there. The Sixers are just a frustrating team in general to watch. I really, really detest everything about the Sixers. Yeah, they, they, they've become the team I hate the most, and I love it. Sports hate rules, but um, like I would have just like gone into the corner and had a tantrum after some of the calls that were kind of happening in the middle of the game. After going down seventeen to two, I just would have been like, you know what, I'm done with this. This is stupid. I quit. I would have rage quit the game. But the Raptors never rage quit. They, it's that they believe firmly against the whole uh, concept of rage quitting, uh, which makes them better people than I am. But man, they are going to take a punch in the mouth and punch you right back. It is 
a lot of fun. It's not unlike uh, Pascal Siakam just punching in all of the right spots when you try to defend him. Uh, he's just, oh, you're going to come for the head? Oh, I'm just going to get you in the stomach then. Oh, you're going to come for, you're going to throw the jab? I'm going to hit you with the uppercut. Like, he's, uh, he's amazing, embodies the Raptors very much, and uh, this Raptors team absolutely kicks ass. We were going to do an episode next week, I think, where we kind of review this season and put it in context of regular seasons. But for me, like it's past 2013-14 in terms of overall joy. Uh, it's, you know, getting up there with 2019-20, honestly. Like it's been that fun a regular season yeah, to watch this all kind of come together. Um, Yasmin, thank you so much for hanging out. This was a lot of fun. I uh, really appreciate you jumping on and, and talking about this game with me. A ton of fun. Uh, where can people check out your work and anything in particular you'd like to plug right now? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to plug Dishes and Dimes. Uh, I can't wait to have some episodes heading into the postseason. Um, there was no Raptors bas- There's no Raptors playoff basketball last year, so it'll yeah. be the first postseason I'm going to cover, and I can't wait to go to the playoff games. I have never been to playoff games. So, Ooh, it's um, fun, yes. Yeah. aren't in time. Jurassic Park, so <laughs> um, being in the building is going to be great. Um, so I guess um, watch out for um, postseason coverage for Yahoo Sports Canada and um, episodes on Dishes and Dimes and um, some work for Complex as well. So, yeah, um, we're finally getting playoff basketball for this team. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, so that does it for this week of episodes. Next week, we will have a full preview of whatever the series is the Raptors are playing. Uh, we'll have Vivek Jacob on, of course. Uh, we're going to talk through whatever matchup it is. We're also going to do a crossover episode Monday or Tuesday, probably Tuesday, with the host of the Lockdown Show covering whichever team the Raptors play. That'll be great as well. It'll be a full week of teeing things up and getting ready for the playoffs. So thank you for hanging out. Thank you for uh, supporting the show, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. Go to YouTube, hit the big red subscribe button and go over there and uh, support the show that way to see it on video every day. And with that, we will leave you. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. Locked at NBA. Lots of Raptors propaganda sure to be on there. I know our pal Nick Angstat, who usually does the Thursday night episode, will have plenty of Raptors propaganda because I was texting it to him during the game last <laughs> night. Uh, <laughs> so uh, go check that out. And we will talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.